August 9th is when Canada says its land border will reopen to fully vaccinated Americans. But now these plans are looking a little one-sided. The Department of Homeland Security says it'll be keeping the U.S. land border closed until at least August 21st, saying non-essential travel still poses too high a risk. So it's only July and we're enjoying a Canadian summer. But for seniors or anyone with a plan to spend some time in the sun this coming winter in the southern United States, the fact that the U.S. land border is still closed to Canadians for non-essential travel is making it tough to plan anything. When should they buy travel insurance? Will they have to ship their cars again for about 1600 bucks? Plus, COVID is blowing up again in Florida. And now some cruise lines are being weird about taking passengers who have two different kinds of vaccinations. Like me, I got AstraZeneca first and then I got Pfizer second. Well, this podcast has got you covered. We'll be talking to the head of the Canadian Snowbirds Association for some of the answers. A lot of our members, they're curious in terms of when the actual land border is going to open. It's kind of causing some hesitancy in terms of them being able to make uh, the appropriate uh, scheduling uh, and plans and preparations for their trip down south. Uh, But obviously, this is something that we're monitoring uh, quite closely. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Monday, July 26, 2021. Welcome to the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Okay, let's admit it. For those Canadians who took the chance and spent some of this past winter at their holiday homes in the southern United States, they did have a better winter than we did who stayed home. Most of them got double vaccinated in Florida or wherever they were living before the rest of us, and they enjoyed good weather and they managed to swim and to walk and to see friends following social distancing rules, although they did have to quarantine when they came back. At least they were supposed to. A new survey has just come out showing that 91% of Canadian snowbirds do plan to travel south this coming winter. But it isn't going to be completely business as usual. Coming up, we'll talk to the lobby group for 100,000 Canadian snowbirds. But first, here's what's making news in Canada right now. A graveside service was held Sunday in Toronto for Paul Michaels, the Director of Communications for B'nai B'rith Canada. Michaels died suddenly on Friday. He'd been heavily involved in Jewish community organizations for years, including as director of PR for the Canada-Israel Committee and then working with CJA, and he was also a columnist for the Canadian Jewish News. Michaels most recently helped handle public relations for journalists who wanted to interview B'nai B'rith officials during last week's National Emergency Summit on Antisemitism. I personally benefited from his work and I talked to him only last week. Donations can be sent via the B'nai B'rith Canada website. Meanwhile, Wednesday this week is the Shloshim, or 30-day anniversary, of the death of Rabbi Reuven Bulka of Ottawa. He died on June 27th of cancer. His synagogue is organizing an online ceremony on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. We've put the link in the show notes. They're also asking people to do acts of kindness and register them on Rabbi Bulka's website. It's called rabbibulka.ca. The COVID pandemic kept most Canadians who usually spend their winters in the southern U.S. at home in 2020. But now most so-called snowbirds are double vaccinated and they're eager to make firm plans for when they can go south sometime in the next four or five months. But the recent news that they still can't drive across the border to the U.S. is stressing them out. That's because most of the million Canadian snowbirds drive their own cars down to Florida or Arizona or California for the season. 
Joining me now is Evan Rakowski. He's the Director of Communications for the Canadian Snowbirds Association, and he joins us from his home in Toronto. So first of all, what are you hearing about what is worrying snowbirds at the moment as we speak here in you know, the, the middle of summer? Well, the, the, the main reason is whether or not they'll be able to drive their Canadian vehicles down south. So what we noticed last uh, snowbird season, only approximately 30% of Canadian snowbirds actually made the, the trip down south, obviously, due to the pandemic. So they had to get creative. You know, we had members that were shipping their cars down to Florida so that they would be able to use those cars in Florida. So the question now remains, are they going to have to do that again? I, I don't believe they're going to have to do that. Uh, but that, again, is something that uh, we're monitoring closely. Another issue for snowbirds, of course, is travel insurance. You know, them purchasing their travel insurance during an early bird period uh, where they they can get particular discounts. So that's something, obviously, that's top of mind for them. Um, But yeah, just a a lot of questions and obviously dealing with the the pandemic, the situation is quite fluid. So again, they're they're just waiting to to, uh, hear what's going to happen at the land border before they go ahead uh, further with making those necessary preparations for the trip down south. So are you expecting in the next few weeks for the restrictions to be lifted Uh, what are you hearing we're optimistic that the the land border will be open by the fall of 2021 Uh, likely it will happen sooner than that Uh, i would be surprised if it did extend beyond the august 21st uh, deadline which is is currently uh, the last time they uh, they renewed that agreement another snowbird association uh, had a survey on their website um recent survey that said 91% of their members say they're going to Florida this year or south. They're not spending another winter in Canada, uh, despite all the fluidity. What are you hearing? Yeah, we're hearing a lot of the, the same stuff. Obviously, there is a pent-up demand for travel down south. You know, a lot of people want to get to their properties. Uh, most of them own properties in places like Florida and Arizona. Uh, so, of course, they want to tend to those properties and, and check out things and, and obviously not have to endure another Canadian winter for sure. You mentioned it's a fluid situation. Uh, In the latest news, cases in Florida, of course, are spiking. The governor said we're not locking down. Are Canadians still hesitant about going, even if they're already vaccinated, because of other uh, reasons? They might not get into a a hospital. They're going to have to be staying around their properties because it's dangerous to go out in in Florida where not, you know, half the population is not vaccinated. So I, I, I do believe that there is some hesitancy on the part of, of certain snowbirds, but I would say that the vast majority of snowbirds and even the 30%, you know, of Canadians that did end up making the trip down south had told me and conveyed to me, you know, they had stayed largely within their community. They had limited their interactions. They, you know, did all the social distancing, the hand washing, you know, all of those kinds of things. And then, so, you know, there are measures, there are obviously health and safety protocols uh, that, that they can uh, follow themselves, uh, despite what is happening, you know, at the state level in Florida in terms of the uh, the governor's decisions. And is it similar for Arizona, Mexico, and some of the other properties that you uh, keep an eye on? Yeah, so the, the vast majority of our membership, they travel to the U.S. So obviously, most of the snowbirds go to Florida, but Arizona is a very popular destination as well in California. And we're hearing very much the, the same things there as well. Um, obviously, you, you saw in California, you know, the reintroduction of a mask mandate. So obviously, states are, are, are you know, choosing to, to handle the pandemic differently, uh, obviously, with the, the surgence of the Delta variant. Uh, so that's obviously something people are going to have to look at before they end up uh, deciding whether or not to make the trip down south this season. Uh, 
So some of the other broader issues besides am I going, am I not going, uh, and how do I get there uh, is to do with um, uh, the length of time Canadians are allowed to stay. I know that the Canadian Snowbirds Association, even you know, before this whole COVID thing broke out, that's something you guys have been working on. Can you give us an update on what the status is with that? So these are longstanding issues, but just from from an immigration standpoint, Canadians are permitted six months less a day in the U.S., and that's calculated on a rolling 12-month period. So if they end up entering, you know, on November 1st of one year, then they're looking at their time from November 1st of that year to October 31st of the following year, just ensuring that they're not over that that six-month period. Uh, What we're doing and and what we're working on down south is we have a a bill uh, currently uh, in the U.S. Senate, which would actually increase the amount of time that retired Canadians can spend in the U.S. every year. Uh, We're waiting on a House version, a House equivalent or companion bill to be introduced as well. Uh, But we do have the Senate bill, which was introduced by Marco Rubio uh, a few weeks ago. So we we are happy about that. And hopefully, again, we can get uh, uh, more support on Capitol Hill for that uh, that legislation. And that would extend the amount of time they could be in the U.S. from six to eight months every year. But for now, it's still status quo. I have to count their days with the formula that exists and, and make sure they don't go over. It was it 182 days or something like that? That's right. So so you're basically still dealing with the existing framework. So the people who did go south last year actually ended up, for the most part, having a wonderful uh, warm uh, winter and, you know, got double vaccinated and basically were better off than we were <laughs> who, didn't, who didn't go. Um but now they have a, a, an issue of they were vaccinated outside of Canada and they're worried. Uh, how do I make sure that the provincial health departments uh, and passports requirements, uh, even Quebec, for example, just put up a passport requirement for, for the fall, that our, our cards from the CDC or wherever are valid? Yeah, so this this is something that, uh, that we are uh, actively working on. Most provinces now do have a system in place where you can contact the local public health unit and they're able to, for example, in Ontario, register that vaccine that was received abroad in the COVAX system. Quebec actually was one of the front runners on this issue and and they got ahead of this very early. So in Quebec, you just have to make an appointment at one of the uh, vaccination clinics. They have a few that are are designated for this purpose specifically. Uh, And basically it gets registered. You get an email confirmation. And again, that that, that confirmation is then uh, then provided to you so that obviously in Quebec, they have a, a kind of vaccine passport system there. Uh, but pretty much every province uh, in Canada is, is very similar. They now have the ability to recognize and, and provide proof of a, of a foreign uh, of vaccine. Obviously, it would have to be a Health Canada approved vaccine uh, that they would be uh, that they would have to have received. Uh, but most provinces, again, have those systems in place now, which we're glad to hear. All right, and some of the uh, Canadians got a, a mixed dose. They got half AstraZeneca and half something else. Uh, how is that being, um, is that a smooth sailing to get south or are there problems with that? So in, t- in terms of entry to the U.S., that's not a problem, at least at this point in time. You know, people have been flying to Florida, you know, back and forth, you know, since the beginning of the pandemic. A vaccination, even at this point in time, isn't necessary for that. You know, whether the U.S. government moves ahead and requires a vaccine or proof of vaccination, again, that remains to be seen. But uh, what we have noticed is, you know, you have certain service providers uh, like cruise ships, for example, 
uh, where that may be an issue. So obviously they would need to contact the uh, uh, the service provider in this case, you know, the, the cruise line ahead of time just to ensure what their rules are because again, we are hearing some things about uh, people with mixed doses, uh, mixed doses of uh, vaccination uh, having some issues in terms of, uh, of booking or being able to actually uh, get onto those cruise ships. All right. Well, thanks so much for sharing all this important information with us on the CJN Daily. Thank you very much for having me. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia, integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Our listener shout out today goes to Josie and Charna Middleman of Toronto. They did spend last winter in Florida, and they suggested that I ask the question about how to make sure the vaccines that they got are considered valid here at home. And we'll close the episode with a sneak peek of Tuesday's show. We'll be speaking to young progressive Jewish groups who oppose Israel's scheduled evictions of some Palestinian families from their homes in East Jerusalem next week, as Canada does. We could see, uh, again, violence, uh, which is what we saw in May. Um, And uh, yeah, we we are definitely concerned about those possible outcomes.